Forgotten. Chapter 1 1 p.m. My name is Jake. I can't tell you my last name or where I'm from. That would just help the Yerks. They'd love to find me and my friends. They'd love to know who we are, even what we are. Knowing my last name isn't important for you. What you need to know is that everything I'll tell you here is true. It's real. It's actually happening. Right now. The Yerks are among us. The Yerks are us. They're a parasitic species. They live inside the bodies of other beings. They take over your mind and body. Controllers. That's what you call a creature that is ruled by a Yerk. A controller. Something that looks human, acts human, sounds human, but whose mind is Yerk. They are everywhere. They can be anyone. Think of the one person in the whole world that you trust the most. Think of that one special person. And now realize, believe, accept the fact that they might not be the person you think they are. Deal with the reality that behind those friendly, loving eyes lives a gray slug. That's what a yerk looks like in its natural state. Just a gray slug. They enter your head, squeezing through the ear canal, and flatten themselves out to envelop your brain. You know all those nooks and crannies in brains? You've probably seen pictures in school. Well, the yerk forms itself into those nooks and crannies, and it ties into your mind. You wake up, and you want to scream, but you can't. You can't scream. You can't move your eyes, or raise your finger, or make yourself walk. The yerk controls you. You're still alive. You can still see what's happening. Your eyes move and focus, but you're not moving them. You can still hear your own mouth speaking and using your voice. You can feel it when the yerk opens up your memories and looks through them. You can hear the yerk laughing as it pries into your every secret. I know. Been there. For a few days, I was a controller. The yerks are here, all right. Their mothership is parked in high orbit right now. It's hidden from human radar, but it's there. And the Yurk's super evil leader, Visser Three, is there too. We are being invaded. We are being enslaved. We are losing our own planet. And we don't even know it. My friends and I fight the Yurks. But we're just five kids. Well, five kids and one Andalite. Yes. We have some amazing powers, but we're still desperately weak and outnumbered compared to the force of the Yurk invasion. We are the only humans resisting the Yurks. We may be the only hope that Earth has. We have a lot on our shoulders. Which is why I really, really, really did not see why I had to have more suffering piled on. Wasn't I under enough stress? Life wasn't bad enough? We had to have... Square dancing? Square dancing. The horror. The CD player was blasting out screaming cat fiddle music, which, in my opinion, 
is possibly the worst music ever created. The lights in the classroom seemed blazingly bright compared to the dark gray clouds outside. The teacher was standing off to the side. She was wearing that smug, satisfied look teachers sometimes get when they know they are grinding the student's last nerve. Now, promenade left! Bow to your partner, do si -do. The stereo drill instructor yelled. I promenaded, which consists of walking like a big honking goober around in a circle. And then I bowed, a strange jerky sort of movement. And finally, my least favorite thing, I did a do si do or, as the shrieking, yammering voice on the CD said, Do-si-do! You call that a do-si-do? Rachel sneered as I high-stepped backward around her. Don't mess with me, Rachel, I warned. Smile, Jake. Big smile, Rachel said. We are happy while dancing. Happy! She was so totally enjoying torturing me. Rachel's my cousin. She's an anamorph, too. Now swing your partner back to the left and promenade! Promenade this, I muttered darkly. I grabbed Rachel to swing her. I was considering swinging her into the nearest wall. But although Rachel may look like some dippy, clueless type, she's a lot closer to being Xena, warrior princess. In other words, I'm just a little scared of Rachel. I've seen her in lots of battles. You just really don't want to make her too mad. You really... Really, don't. Excellent swing, Rachel mocked me. Now you're getting into it. I can just picture you in a string tie, cowboy boots, maybe a bright red checkered western shirt. Don't push it, Rachel, I warned again. Then, the worst possible thing happened. As I was promenading yet again, I heard Rachel yell, Hey Cassie, come by to watch? My heart sank. Cassie is another member of our team. She's also someone I really kind of like, if you know what I mean. And I really didn't want her watching me as I stomped clumsily around the circle. The sight of me, big old Jake, glumping around in time to fiddle music, was guaranteed to destroy any affection Cassie had for me. I mean, I was making myself sick. I could just imagine how I looked to Cassie. I met Cassie's gaze. She was standing in the doorway of the classroom, and she was laughing. She was laughing with her entire body. She was in convulsions. I was so relieved. See, I was afraid I'd get a pity look. Instead, she was cracking up. Tears were rolling down her cheeks as I dosy -si doed right in front of her. You find this funny? Me trying to dance? Cassie couldn't talk. She was laughing too hard. She just nodded. What could I do? I started laughing too. There wasn't anything else to do. Oh, maybe one other thing. I grabbed Cassie's hand and pulled her into the circle. Rachel backed away, letting Cassie take her place in the pattern. Cassie stopped laughing. No way, she said alarmed. Let's see you, dozy do I said. I grabbed her and swung her, and in a breathless voice she whispered, I just came by to tell you something. Tobias wants us. Right after school lets out. It's something big. I took a deep breath. Suddenly, I wasn't in the mood to laugh anymore. Tobias wouldn't say something big, unless it was something big. And something big meant something bad these days. Cassie and I had to obey the music and separate then. But a few seconds later, we rejoined in the pattern, bowing to each other.
I guess square dancing doesn't seem so bad now, huh? Cassie asked me. Yeah, right. It would take a lot more than the danger of sudden death to make square dancing okay, I said. A lot more. I did some more promenading. I did some more bowing. I did some more dosi doing But my thoughts were already running ahead, wondering what Tobias had seen, and just how much of a mess it would end up being. Then, flash! I fell! I fell down and down through the green, green trees. A branch! I snatched at it with my hand and swung and released, then flew through the air and caught another branch. I wrapped my tail around the branch and turned to look back. Monkeys were swinging toward me through the high tops of the jungle. I was giddy. It was a rush. It was... Flash! Cassie was smiling and looking a little strangely at me. The music was done. The class was breaking up. Are you okay? Cassie asked me. Yeah. Yeah. I said, shaking off the weird vision. Daydreaming? Cassie asked me. I guess so, I said. I wonder what Tobias wants. Do you have any idea? I was too weirded out to really respond. One second I'd been square dancing. The next second I'd been swinging through the trees. And both moments had been real. Chapter 2 3.08 p.m. What do you think? Marco asked me. Personally, I figure Tobias found some really good roadkill, and he wants us to share. Yeah, that's probably it, I said tolerantly. Marco's approach to everything is to joke about it, especially when he's worried. After school, we all went our separate ways. Cassie to her home, Rachel to hers. We all knew Tobias had some serious reason to talk to us. We were all afraid it was trouble of some kind. But I had something extra to worry about. The hallucination, or vision, or whatever it was. It had been too real to just forget. Everyone daydreams. This was no daydream. I was in the jungle. Period. It was for just a few seconds, but it was definitely real. But like I said, priority number one was to figure out what was bugging Tobias. So Marco and I walked home together, because that's what we usually did. And it is very important for us to act normal. We don't want to draw attention. So we try and be like we always were. Like we were before the night that changed our lives forever. We'd been walking home from the mall at night. We took a shortcut through an abandoned construction site. A really stupid, irresponsible thing to do. But it turned out it wasn't axe murderers or kidnappers we had to worry about. Before that night, we'd all known each other. But we weren't a group. We had just happened to hook up at the mall. It was an accident, or fate, or something. Take your pick. Anyway, the five of us ended up walking together as we were leaving the mall. And in a dark, spooky construction site, with empty, half-finished buildings all around us, we saw the spaceship land. It was an Andalite fighter. It was badly damaged. Up in orbit, the Andalites had come out on the losing end of a fight with the Yurks. The Andalite pilot of the fighter was named Alfangor, Prince Alfangor. He was dying. He was the one who told us about the Yurks. Life changed that night. Life went from being just the daily stuff any normal kid has to deal with, to knowing a secret that made you want to sit down and cry. It was Prince Alfangor who gave us the power to morph. It was all he could do to help us. It was the only weapon he could give us. 
the power to morph, to become any animal we could touch and acquire. A great and awful power. A power that has given me some serious nightmares. I've seen things since that night at the construction site. Things I wish I'd never seen. And I've done things I wish I couldn't remember. Hey, Margo said, interrupting my thoughts. Speaking of Bird Boy, up there, is that anyone we know? I followed the direction he was looking. It was a dark afternoon and the sky just kept getting darker. It was filling up with rain clouds the color of steel wool. And there, silhouetted against the clouds, was a large bird. Even from a distance you could tell it was a bird of prey. Could be, I can't tell, I said. If it's Tobias, he'll spot us. Tobias is in Hawkmorph. Permanently. See, there's a nasty little hook buried inside the morphing power. Stay in morph for more than two hours, and you stay in morph forever. Tobias had the soul and mind of a human, but his body is the body of a red-tailed hawk. He's coming closer, Marco said. Yeah. I had mixed feelings. Tobias is one of us. A friend. More than a friend. He's risked his life for me many times. But I sensed he was bringing bad news. And I really didn't want to hear bad news. I heard his thought speak voice in my head. Jake! Marco! See? Figured it was him. We couldn't answer Tobias. He was still too high up to hear us speak, even with his excellent hawk hearing. And you can only make thought speak when you're in Morph, or if you happen to be an Andalite. You guys need to haul it a little faster, Tobias said. He sounded tense, impatient, excited. Not that he really sounded at all, but his thought speak in my head carried tension. Morph as soon as you get a chance, okay? I looked at Marco. He sighed. My dad should still be at work. We can use my house, he said. We're almost there. We headed straight for Marco's house. We live in the same subdivision, just a couple of blocks away from each other. Most of the kids in our school live there, including Rachel. Cassie lives out on her farm, a little ways down the road. I'll round up the others, Tobias said. We'll meet up with Axe later. I'll catch up with you once you get airborne. This has big trouble written all over it, I muttered. And huge red neon letters, Marco agreed. We reached Marco's house and went in. Marco checked to make sure we were alone. Dad? Dad? Are you home? Anyone home? Hey, Dad! I'm going to change all the settings on your stereo! Marco winked at me. If he's home, they'll make him come running. There was no reply. Just a quiet house. We ran up the carpeted stairs to Marco's room. We ran past framed pictures of Marco and his dad, and his mother, who everyone thought was dead. Marco opened his bedroom window as wide as it would go. The breeze was cool and damp. It was going to rain. And I hate rain. Let's get this over with, I said. I kicked off my shoes and removed everything but my morphing suit. Marco did the same. I focused my mind on a bird. It was a peregrine falcon. The DNA of that falcon was part of me. And, thanks to the Andalite morphing technology, I could trade that DNA for my own. I focused my mind and the change began. Feather patterns appeared on my skin, as if some invisible person had drawn them there. The not terribly clean floor of Marco's room came rushing up at me as I shrank, 
dwindling down like a fast-burning candle. It was like falling and falling without ever quite hitting the ground. Or, in this case, hitting a dirty white sock. Oh man, I said. Marco, you could at least not have dirty gym socks lying around. Hey, I've seen your room, Marco said. You still have some of your old baby diapers lying around. He started to say more, but that's when his human tongue shriveled down to become a tiny bird tongue. So what he said was, Whatever that meant. The dirty gym sock went from being the size of a sock to being the size of a blanket. The only good thing was that falcons don't have much of a sense of smell. I was grateful for that. My lips became hard as fingernails and began to press outward, forming a sharp, down-curved beak. It was weird and disturbing because I could actually see the beak grow, like some humongous nose. My feet were gone, replaced by talons that could open up a prey animal like a can opener on a can of cat food. My bones made grinding, squishy noises as my skull shrank. My arm bones became hollow, and the other bones disappeared altogether. Then, the patterns of feathers on my skin grew three-dimensional. It was eerie to watch, like my skin was chapping really badly. Like skin was peeling up at an incredible rate, and each peel of skin formed a feather. Gray feathers, mostly. I glared at Marco with my incredible Force 10 falcon vision. He glared back with the eyes of an osprey. Let's catch some air, I said. I flapped my wings twice and hopped up to the windowsill. Last time I was an osprey morph, some peregrine took a shot at me, Marco said. He sounded a little resentful, like it was my fault. He hopped up to the sill beside me. Don't worry, Marco, I'll protect you, I said, knowing it would make him mad. Protect me? Right. Come on, big guy, let's fly. See if you can keep up with me first. Then see if you can protect me. Ha! I opened my wings wide, kicked off from the windowsill, and dropped straight for the grass in Marco's backyard. This is always terrifying. See, you know you're a bird and all, but in your mind, you're still a human. And jumping out of windows scares humans. I was 10, 12 feet off the ground, with nothing but lawn to catch me if for some reason my wings didn't work. But then my wings caught the air, and I felt the pressure of the air pushing up beneath me. I flapped hard, one, two three, four, and shot forward, forward and upward. I flapped and flapped, working hard to get altitude in the cool air. Flapping is hard. Just because you're a bird doesn't mean flapping is easy. Marco and I had just managed to climb maybe 50 feet when Tobias came zooming up alongside us, zipping around like he'd been born a bird. Follow me, he said. Follow you where? I asked, maybe a little too grouchily. Tobias laughed. We're going to the grocery store, he said. We're going to the Safeway. Tobias, are you nuts? Marco demanded. The grocery store? What, is there a sale on gourmet birdseed? Funny, Marco, Tobias said. But it's not about birdseed. This grocery store seems to be having a sale on high-ranking controllers. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and we've done it. We've made it to book 11. Thank you all for joining me on this journey, and let's keep it going. 
I'm super tired and I haven't had dinner yet, so we're just gonna you if you've listened to the up to this one, you've you've kind of gotten the gist of it all. So we're just gonna skip it this time and we'll do it next time. Uh thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>